Welcome to the Bill Barnwell Show. I am Bill Barnwell. Yes, the idiot who predicted that the Cowboys would win three games in the NFC playoffs and make it to the Super Bowl. They didn't lose to the 49ers. They didn't get a chance to play the 49ers, but that is a different conversation for a different day. Today on the Bill Barnwell Show, we are talking about the two Monday playoff games we saw up from one with the Bill Steelers move from Sunday. And of course, the fiasco for Eagles fans that was Eagles Bucks on Monday night. Joining me to talk about that, a man who braved the elements is maybe the best way to put it who was in Kansas City for, as we talked about before we get on the air, a pretty bad Chiefs-Dolphins game. Didn't even get to endure the elements for a classic, but a man who is still thawing out from uh, too long spent in negative 30-degree wind chill in Kansas City. It is the NFL writer from Yahoo Sports, Charles McDonald. I'm alive. I made it back to New York City. It was a treacherous little 24-hour stint for me, but I've made it through to the other side, and uh, now it's just like, it's just normal cold here. Like it's 20 <laughs> degrees outside instead of minus 30. So I, I can take that. I was going to ask, do you have any tips that you learned from your sojourn into uh, the Midwest in January that you can pass on to other people who might be stuck with terrible temperatures in the weeks to come? Get a ski mask. That's the one thing that I regret so much that I, I, that I didn't get a ski mask. I was like, Oh, you know, like I get it, it's cold and I'll be bumbled up. But like, does my face? Yes, your face needs to be covered up. Like any part of your body that's exposed will start hurting so fast. Like I, I, I couldn't imagine what it must be like being like just a random, uh, you know, Chiefs or Dolphin staffer just standing on the mm-hmm. sideline for for three hours. Or like you even saw uh, what happened with Andy Reid and his frozen mustache. I mean, it, it really mm-hmm. was that cold. Uh and even, you know, the, the the day and a half after that, I was still in Kansas City, it never really got past like minus 15. There's ice everywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. It was, I, I will never be that cold again in my life. Like I'm promising <laughs> myself that. I don't know how I can control that, but it's just not going to happen to me again. It was that bad. I'm just nervous you're going to get like knocked out somehow and you're going to be dropped into sort of like a naked and afraid kind of situation, but naked and cold. Like you're just going to be <laughs> dropped into a negative 30 uh, real feel without your knowledge and then wake up and just be having to figure out how to get out of that situation. I hope that's not the case. You've earned the right as an adult um, to choose when and where you end up and not ending up in those kind of temperatures. Well, you know, I, it's just, I, I, it was all my fault too, because, you know, they asked me, Hey, would you be interested in going to cover uh, a Chiefs playoff game? And then the Ravens game next week, I'm like, Oh, absolutely. That sounds like a great time. But at the time I said, yes, I didn't know it was going to be minus 30. (laughs) And you know, the closer and closer I got to, I was like, I can tough this out. I can tough this out. And then the first time your face hits that minus 30 air, you realize you could not tough it out actually. Poor Marcel Louis Jacques, our friend who lives in Miami, who went straight from Florida, where I think it was 70 degrees on Sunday, to Kansas City for that game and back. What a mess. But, yeah. you know, wasn't fun for Dolphins fans. They lost. They were cold. They probably feel better than Eagles fans. At least they have an excuse with injuries after they got blown out in the wild card round. The Eagles, I guess we'll start with them tonight because we just watched that game. We're closer in, at least my mind. Um, that was abysmal. I mean, yeah. I, I did pick the Eagles to win. I didn't feel great about it beforehand, but that was a that that to me 
felt like one of the five worst teams in football. Like not five worst playoff teams, not five worst teams the second half, like just period. Like that that was an embarrassing defeat. The Eagles got blown out by a team that sort of struggled to do anything on offense against the Panthers last week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, Charles, what what happened like to the Eagles in this game? I, I I don't know. Like that's what I, I I'm I was watching the game and I was like I don't really understand what's happening here. I don't, I never really want to call professional athletes quitters because that's just mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it takes a lot to go out there even when you're having a bad day and get up and try to play in a manner where you're not going to get yourself injured. Um but still like even early on in this game it kind of felt like the Eagles were moving in, you know, half speed, not really trying to get guys on the ground on defense. Uh, obviously, the A.J. Brown injury uh, on offense hurt them. But even with that, like nine points against Tampa Bay when you when you got to have it was just was just baffling to me. And, and you know, I, I think another thing here was uh, later in the game or maybe, you know, mid the mid portion towards the later portion of the game, it just felt like whenever the Bucks wanted to get something underneath, like it was just right there, wide open, right there, wide open. Like it, the Kate Auden had eight catches for mm-hmm. uh, 89 yards today. Uh, you know, that that's not really something that you would see from him normally like that. But when the Eagles mm-hmm. are just going to give it to you over and over and over again, it, it you, like, you'd be crazy not to take it. And then even on the flip side, like how many times did, the Buccaneers blitzed the Eagles and it ruined a play and the Eagles were never able to like kind of get themselves in tune to, to figure out how to sort out and block some of these blitzes. I, I, I was just baffled that really, really just how unorganized the whole, the whole setup looked like. Um, and look, if, if this is a game that ends up costing Nick Sirianni his job, I'm not even that mad at it because uh, you know, you, you kind of play these games all season where, yeah, you're ten and one at one point, but you're playing a bunch of close games. You're coming from behind. Uh, Jason Kelsey even said, "Like I don't know how we're playing games. You know how we're playing so many games like this because uh, at some point it should come and bite you back in the <laughs> and and here we are where your season ends in a blowout loss against the nine and eight Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's it's really just kind of uh, unfathomable that they ended up here at the end of the day." Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the stuff. You know, the Bucks having access to stuff underneath against the Eagles defense. Let's start there. I, 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 you know, you said underneath, and you're 100 percent correct. But in some cases, that might say, okay, well, at least they were taking away the big play stuff over the top. Nope. The only reason the Bucks didn't have more big plays over the top in this game is because Mike Evans had two passes that should have been touchdowns, or at least huge gains hit him in the hands after he'd beaten Eagles defenders. I mean, there was this wasn't as bad as the Packers Cowboys game where it felt like every single play Jordan Love was going to hit somebody for like a 40 yard gain or Aaron Jones was going to run through the entire Cowboys team. But when the Eagles did not get a pass rush, which they got more in this game than they had in recent weeks, but not a ton, it felt like Baker had his pick. It felt like Baker had multiple receivers to hit on every single play. It felt like the Buccaneers who caught the ball, whether it was Kate Auden, whether it was Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, um, you know, the the various running backs who caught passes, it felt like they were a threat to run away from the defenders who were on them in coverage. And I, you know, you want to try and be 
balanced. You want to, you know, say, okay, the players have a role to play. Coaching has a role to play. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of a worse move or a move that looks worse with hindsight than the Eagles promoting Matt Patricia to the job of defensive coordinator in December to try and spark the defense and how somehow the defense got even worse. But man, I don't think the Eagles were going to be good with Sean Desai taking over for the rest of the season. I think right, they were right. issues with his defense. But can you really argue that it didn't make them worse in the process by making that change? I I, I think it did. I mean, to me, where you start to see the the cracks of the Patricia thing start to show up was that Cardinals game. Um mm-hmm. yep. where look, I I mean, I I think that Kyler Murray probably did enough to uh to to keep that job for next year but like the entire offense just going up and down the field like they're they were four and 12 you know five and 12 team this year that's not really something that you should be experiencing as a team that has super bowl aspirations then even the next week um that giants game i know it's a little funky because they quit so early in the game but the start of that game wasn't going well for them either uh mm-hmm. you know i i think if, if you're someone i'll put it like this if you're someone who hasn't watched a whole lot of Tampa Bay Buccaneers football this year. And you're kind of looking at these head coaching interviews and stuff like that. And you don't really know stuff about Dave Canales. Like there is kind of a, a, a an intro course to, to what he's all about where, yeah, he's clearly, clearly better than Matt Patricia or, you know, whether it would be Sean Desai too, but uh, that ended up being such a big mismatch for them that they didn't really have a chance uh, once things started to get away from them. And now, you you kind of have to start pointing the fingers at Sirianni too, because we knew Matt Patricia is not a great defensive coordinator. You know, it's you go back to the 2017 season where the Eagles won the Super Bowl against the Patriots. That Patriots mm-hmm. defense was terrible. Then mm-hmm. Matt Patricia gets hired by uh, the Lions. They have terrible defenses all throughout that time. Uh, he goes and he goes back to New England and he puts up one of like the worst offenses in the league last year when he and Joe Judge were running that thing. And now just to kind of expect this to be the decision that works out, like this is the time that he figures it out and is a, an effective defensive coordinator. It was a, a little bit bold in their part that I would say, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, 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 it like, it didn't feel logical, you know? Like I think if they were like, okay, we're going to blitz a ton more and he's more experienced with the blitz. So, oh, okay. Maybe like that makes sense. Or if it's okay, you know, we hired someone as a consultant and they're going to help in the week. Okay. You did that with Vic Fangio last year. That, that made sense to me it just felt like a desperate swing from a team that didn't have answers on the defensive side of the ball. And maybe that would be, you know, in a vacuum and say, okay, well, teams aren't going to make moves that are that dumb. Like, you know, teams have answers for this stuff. They're smarter. They think about this stuff. The problem with that is Charles, you look at the offensive side of the ball in this game and the same problem I've heard a lot smarter people than me bring up with the Eagles all season was the same problem they had in this game, which was they had absolutely no strategy for how to deal with pass pressure and the blitz. Um, there were so many moments in this game that Jalen Hurts got blitzed, and and the solution was Jalen, make magic happen. Jalen, run around for a while, uh, try to get away from a free rusher, and hope you can find Devontae down there somewhere. And you saw that on the fourth down play after they took the points off the board. They saw it on a lot of the third downs in this game 
And that's been a problem for them all, not not only all year, but into last year when their offense was actually really good. They have not had built-in hots for their routes. They have not had easy solutions for what to do with pressure. Um, and so that's not common in the NFL. That's a rare exception in the NFL. NFL teams are very complex. They usually have stuff built into their offense. There's no doubt to me that Jalen Hurts can handle that. No doubt that the receivers can handle that. No doubt that the running game can handle that. The offensive line can handle that. The Eagles offensive infrastructure under Nick Sirianni, who at the end of the day, whether it's Shane Steichen or um, Brian Johnson calling plays, it's Nick Sirianni running the offense in the big picture. They don't have that stuff built in. And playing against a a defensive coordinator and a head coach and Todd Bowles, who the one thing you know about Todd Bowles is that dude's going to blitz you. And God, he blitzed Jalen Hurts in this game. Like, it's such a bad matchup on paper that I regret not paying more attention to it in advance. But it it played out in like the most obvious fashion, where from the very first snap in this game, you just were like, "Oh no!" Like, like this is how this is going to go, and the Eagles are not going to have any answers for it. Yeah, I thought on offense at least the Eagles would be able to just kind of like rely on their talent to a degree and kind of get the ball into the end zone or, or do mm-hmm. more than certainly more than, than the nine points that they pulled tonight. But when, when I start looking at, at, okay, I feel like the Eagles offensive line is still, still quality, even though Jason Kelsey, maybe that was his last game. He'd still play pretty decent football this year. Uh, you know, you still got Devonta Smith. You still got Dallas Goddard, Jalen hurts to me. That's, that's a, a group good enough where I, I start to wonder, like, what what are you doing, Nick Sariani? Where like you can't get like these guys going, or when you we are getting killed by blitzes over and over and over again. You have, you know, one of the best centers of all time, uh, you know, still snapping the ball back to Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. He should be able to be someone that can help you with the, these protections too. But um, for whatever reason, they just couldn't get anything done. And to me, I, I'm just confused. Like, what edge Nick Sariani is supposed to give them? Uh, on game day, because we've seen now that Shane Steichen went over to the Colts, how uh, big of a positive influence he was on what they had going on over there. And now you kind of have these situations where pick Brian Johnson, where maybe that's not a great fit for uh, what this team has. And then you put in uh, Matt Patricia over Sean Desai, and we see that that's a, a huge uh, disaster course for them. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I, I, it, it's, it's strange to say this about a guy who was in the Super Bowl like 11 months ago. But what 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 kind of edge are you providing here? Because I don't I just don't think that this group should be getting absolutely shredded the way that they do. And I think you know some of that may be just Jalen Hurts' play style. Because I'm not sure he's a guy that always does great when he has to make like really quick decisions. And you know mm-hmm. if you're going to be uh, a team that sometimes likes to use five and protection, and you're going to get blitz like that, uh, that's that could be a situation where. Uh, Jalen Hurts struggles, but at the same time, like they just kind of have too many good pieces to be getting absolutely killed like that, especially against a team like Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's not like Tampa Bay's defense was like super great this year. You know, no, it was <laughs> fine. It was fine. It was fine. It's okay. Not nine points. Not nine points, and you know, it even felt like the nine points they were a little lucky. Like it was just one big, it was sort of like the Dolphins, where it was one big play to Devontae Smith, and it was the struggle bus for the rest of the game otherwise. Um, let's let's talk about the Sirianni situation. I mean, it's crazy to think 
for a guy who 12 months ago was kind of being lauded as a top three NFL coach, a top five NFL coach. When you think about major changes approaching the Eagles this offseason, if you were Jeffrey Lurie and you own the Eagles and all those coaches who are available in free agency, which may include Mike Tomlin, as we'll get to a little later on, are you inclined to make a change a head coach? Are you saying change the coordinators? Are you saying come back next year with a new plan because your plan sucks? Like, what are you, how are you approaching the the the, the situation and, and the collapse here at the end of 2023? I mean, I'm, I'm definitely taking a peek around. Uh, because, I mean, it, it, it is also tough to just say, you know, Nick Sirianni, who won, who's won all these games in the first, you know, couple of years of his, his time here is, is also just like a like no good at this uh <laughs> entirely but you know it, it is such a unique year where like you can go talk to a bill belichick you can go talk to uh mike frable if you want to maybe you could even talk to pete carroll and see what what he's up to it's just uh you, you know you, you can go you can interview jim harbaugh it's and and, and not only that they just won championships and maybe he's actually out the door so he could avoid some <laughs> of these punishments for uh, for for you know all the mess that they had going down in Michigan earlier this year, so mm-hmm. it I, I think the biggest reason to fire Nick Sirianni would be to say, okay, this pool is too loaded out here for us to just totally sit out when, uh, you know, it it it, it kind of feels like the the clock's ticking a little bit, maybe on the window of of the Eagles' chances to get to Super Bowl with this specific group. I mean, they have a lot of work to do on defense, right? Um. It, 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 they, they've invested in the defensive line, but I think you're starting to see the deterioration, like especially down the spine of the defense. Linebackers mm-hmm. aren't that great. Uh, Kevin Bayard hasn't been too much of a factor since uh, they traded for him. We've seen the cornerbacks get a little bit older uh, compared to where they were this time last year. So, you know, maybe you go with a defensive guy who can kind of start to get that overhaul uh, moving back in the right direction and let him find someone who can delegate, that he can delegate offensive duties to. Uh, I I just think they kind of owe it to themselves to at least go explore and see what's out there. And if you if you if that means firing Nick Sirianni, uh, based on really how the way this season went, and not only the way the season went, but how big of a step back they took from the team that they were that went to the Super Bowl to the team they are now, I I, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of justified. Uh, I don't remember who tweeted this, but someone tweeted they've fired a lot better coaches than Nick Sirianni in the past. So. You know, it, it wouldn't really be that strange. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if they should. Maybe they should. Maybe they should not. Depends on who you can get in free right. agency, I guess. Um, I wouldn't just fire him for the sake of being mad about the end of the year. But I mean, this is this is as, as bad of a collapse as I can remember, and it's not just a one week thing. It wasn't just one bad playoff game. This has been two months or a month yeah. and a half of just straight up bad football week after week losing not just to the bucks but losing to the giants losing to the cardinals blowing the top seed blowing the nfc east and you look at this roster and it's gonna be worse next year i mean they're losing probably jason kelsey and brandon graham to retirement they're maybe losing fletcher cox to retirement um they have young talent on both sides of the football, but Devontae Smith is going to get a much-deserved raise this offseason. I think Landon Dickerson's up for a new deal as well. Um, this is a, a team I was that... going to start getting real pretty fast. 
it it oh it already feels real yeah yeah and you know it's crazy because a year ago if you'd been like oh who's who has the best situation in football you'd probably be like the eagles they got a stacked roster they have jalen hurts is about to get paid but it's not making any money right now and it's a bargain i mean like i'll say this much i i've seen maybe this is just lowest common denominator twitter stuff i've seen people complaining oh jalen hurts isn't worth the money he's you know a limited quarterback i don't think jalen hurts is the problem with this football team by any means i don't know if you disagree uh uh, I, I I think he's someone that maybe needs a little more help mm-hmm. than like that's where I get worried about this because I, I think that he's a he's he's definitely a quality guy. I don't know if I would have like like when I start looking at uh, like his contract compared to like what Lamar Jackson got, and I'm like, oof, I don't that that valuation seems like a little bit off just based on how I feel more comfortable with Lamar being able to just carry a team. But we know like we have enough proof that. Jalen is absolutely someone who can go out and lead one of the best offenses in the league. I think for them, the hard part is going to be keeping the the ecosystem strong for him. Uh, because I, 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 where I get concerned about Jalen is like you know, on a game like tonight, he's someone that really struggles against a blitz. Sometimes really struggles with uh, pocket presence and and uh, the the more exotic things that defense will throw at them. I I I would hope that he could get a lot better at that as the the cap hit starts to rise and uh, they kind of have to figure out how they're going to continue to build this uh, around him as a franchise quarterback because it's not like it's not like he's going anywhere anytime soon unless they were just going no. to completely tear this thing down and and rebuild, which would seem pretty rash. But you know, I, I think I would have Jalen Hurts around like in the like the eight to 12 range probably, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, good, but probably still needed a little bit of help to get it across the finish line. And I think uh, now as we see and we talk about what's next for this Eagles roster, it, it kind of becomes a bigger point of focus, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is there a guy where if he was available and told the Eagles, yeah, I'll come work for you, you would say, okay, make the move, get Sirianni out of here? Like, was that... Would it be Harbaugh? Would it be Tomlin? Would it be Belichick? Is there any guy who you feel like you would say, yes, you know, tear everything up, kick everyone out of the building. If we can hire this guy, I think we're in better shape for 2024. I would really like to see Mike Vrabel in there. That's the guy who I was thinking too. I I didn't bring him up on that list, hoping you would say Mike Vrabel and my instincts were correct. He's, he's, he's one with a lot worse teams than, yes. than this. I mean, to be the, the what was so frustrating, like as someone who was a big fan of Lamar Jackson, when he won the, his first MVP and they lost to the Titans in the divisional round, like damn, dude, that team was not as good as the Ravens. They just weren't, mm-hmm. and they still ended up doing that. And they ended up getting, uh, you know, going on on another playoff run or short playoff run, uh, the following year. And I always just felt like they were overexceeding expectations. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I've always been a big fan of how. You know he kind of manages the game and he's he's done a really good job with that so i think just in terms of like an organization focus and especially like trying to get back on the right track on defense i think he makes a lot of sense and plus he's a hard ass and people are feeling like that yeah that's the thing but they love nick sirianni well they did until he sucked now yeah, they did. now now they're like trying to find reasons to dislike him um but i i agree with you i think rabel got so much out of some mediocre rosters there you reunite him with aj brown which you know, just a touching moment for me as remember seeing the clip of Rabel pissed that they traded AJ Brown. Um, I think a guy who's gotten more out of, you know, players than 
other teams got out of those same players elsewhere. And so that all seems like something the Eagles need at this point because they're going to have to get more. I don't, I don't think they're going to have a, a talent advantage the way they did last year. I think they're going to have to get more out of draft picks, more out of, you know, lower cost free agent. I think they're going to have to get creative. Like they have an expensive core now and that core has to keep playing well. They're blessed to get more out of them and more out of some of the lesser players around the NFL who are going to be on that roster in the years to come. Um, does did so we, we talked about this around about around the horn before the show aj brown removed all the eagle stuff from his social media yeah i never really know what to make of stuff like this does, does that matter to you i mean you saw i feel like julio was the one who originally like started this as a trend no uh yeah but like some guys also just like to yeah you know, maybe when they're frustrated just go on a little cleanse but you know that that uh the, the social media clearing doesn't really have anything to do with the contract. That's how I kind of feel like it. So we'll, we'll see if, if it, if it moves along and he actually does declare a trade, but uh, right now I, 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 I struggle to put too much stuff into the social media stuff because I don't know, guys can be weird sometimes about how they're, mm-hmm. how they're feeling and how they react, but it doesn't always have to be a, you know, extreme. We need to get, we need to get the hell out of here. Okay. So we talked about the Eagles now for 20 minutes, Bucks fans, definitely mad at us let's throw some bucks conversation in here as well in in light of how they played where they blew out the eagles in this game are you any more optimistic as a close nfc south observer any more optimistic about the bucks and their chances of winning next week against the lions than you were heading into this game uh i think they can like it's possible for them to do it because it's not like the I don't I don't think that this Lions defense is something that is impossible for them to score on. You know, even even it it, it just all depends on Baker, dude. Like that's how I feel about the 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 Bucks because when he's on, yeah, like they can play high and 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 you know go to blow the blows with a lot of teams. But there's also a lot of games where he just flat out sucks and doesn't do much of anything. Uh, like even the first game that they played against the Lions this year, I remember uh, that was a, a pretty bad game for Baker. But then, you know, he'll he'll do the Baker thing where he he puts together a few nice stretches and and puts together a few big performances, and you kind of are stuck wondering like, well, what the what is this? Like, what kind, what is this guy? <laughs> I don't I don't like, even even tonight, you know, he he makes some throws where it's just like, man, if you could just do that more often, you wouldn't <laughs> have to end up being a journeyman quarterback, but. I think for this one, like if they're going to have a chance to stay in the game against the Lions, uh, like Canales is going to have to be on his A game and you're going to need Baker to be like a more accurate and poised version of himself, which is always kind of a dice roll when you're you're dealing with Baker Mayfield. But they they absolutely have a chance. Uh, and I would say for for them in like a one game sample kind of thing, like where where run defense and run game can kind of matter a little bit more. I do think that. Uh, the Buccaneers like physically match up a lot better to uh, the Detroit Lions than the Rams did last week. You know, I don't, I don't think that this would be a situation where they're just getting mowed off the ball and, and destroyed. And, and, you know, you have guys like five yards into the linebackers laps. As soon as the ball starts, you you have a little bit more stout front. So maybe you can remove some of like the variance with big explosive rushing plays. If you can just get Baker to play like he did today and to play like he has the past couple of weeks, since the Panthers game. You might be in business. Like I, I don't think that this is an impossible task for the Buccaneers whatsoever. Which is hilarious to think that. Oh, we're, we're talking about the Buccaneers being an NFC title game. You know, 
<laughs> it's in stranger look at that that tennessee team i don't think anyone believed that the titans were going to be in the afc championship game that year and they still got there like it is it, it's definitely possible stranger things have happened yeah. um and i do think that they're a bad matchup for the lions in some way with the blitzes where we know the thing with jared goff is have to get pressure on him i think i had the numbers on tv today i forget what it was i think he was like 22 of 22 when he was not pressured in the game against the Rams, so if you get pressure on him he falls off precipitously and todd bowles is really good at manufacturing pressure creating unblocked rushers um and, and sort of forcing you to have to make decisions on the fly so if you can do that force a bunch of you know mistakes from golf we saw the packers do it in the uh in, in the thanksgiving game where they got a bunch of pressure on golf early had a bunch of turnovers that led to an early lead and then the lions were one-dimensional and couldn't catch up so uh, the Lions should be favored. I think the Lions will win, but not out of the question. The Buccaneers pull another upset and, and beat the Lions in Detroit. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely it's definitely possible for them. I don't think that that's a slight for for really the the Lions. I, I just kind of like the way that Tampa Bay matches up for them. Uh, and like I continue to say, like I've I've kind of said to my buddies like all year, uh, whatever big you get kind of depend like will determine whether you win or not. You know, mm-hmm. if you get the one where that showed against like the the Jaguars a few weeks ago, where he was just absolutely torching them, or even the Packers, or even tonight, like you you have a chance. Um, but it, it's going to be tough. I I really just also like you know like I said before, you know the physicality of the Tampa Bay defense. I think it plays well into their quest to try try and get this done. But at the same time, like the the lines like they can they can get those explosives through the air even when the ball's not you know really moving mm-hmm. on the ground so it's it's gonna be a fun game to watch uh you know ben johnson versus todd bowles 2.0 and i'm sure you know <laughs> it'll be a good time to go back and watch that first game at some point this week this podcast is proud to be supported by jets pizza the number one pick in detroit style pizza why it's simple jets is better with the thickest crispiest cheesiest detroit style pizza in the country there is no competition and right now get five dollars off any eight corner pizza with code eight save that's the number eight s a v e go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a jets pizza location near you again try jet signature eight corner pizza and get five dollars off with code eight save that's number eight s a v e jets pizza better because it has to be another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. So Bill Steelers, the other game on Monday, kind of felt like the Josh show. Game's a strong word. <laughs> it was. I don't know. I, I thought it would be more of a blowout than it was. It was a blowout at the beginning. Felt like a blowout at the end. In the middle, though. Kind of felt it got got it got close enough that I was like, mm, some Tomlin magic could swing this game, uh, but did not get the magic he needed. To me, it felt like the Josh show. Um, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Do you think Josh Allen was the best quarterback of the wild card round? Uh, that's tough because there there were there was a handful of ones. Yeah, I, I, it's either like Josh or Jordan Love or CJ Stroud to me. 
Yeah, Jordan did have the best best QBR in the history of QBR in a playoff game. So yeah, he it was it was pretty easy for him. But I I always like these Josh Allen games where he just goes like Superman mode, and you kind of wonder how sustainable it is. But then all like by the end of the game, he's already dragged you to the finish line, and you're winning. Yes. Uh, it it to me like that that ability is just so valuable because sometimes the Bills they they actually like need him to do yes. that stuff. Uh, Hell yeah, of course. Yeah, and and he's 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 able to get it done. Yeah, it might be a little bit tougher this week against uh, the Chiefs, but I really don't have any I wouldn't have any fear in my heart like if if Josh Allen was my quarterback I know he's going to do some Josh Allen things that are a little bit crazy um I'm still tickled by the tush push that he had today where he <laughs> ended up like horizontal to the ground at one point um but at the same time like he, he's he's one of those guys that you can count on uh just about every week and and it, it doesn't really even seem like at this point you know he, he just kind of seems like inf- unflappable um and Perhaps like he's gonna have one of those Josh moments next week against a, a, a tougher defense where you know he kind of loses his mind and throws a bunch of interception. But you, you you have to you have to you have to trust like how in control he is right now. So I don't know if it was the best performance of week one, but it's it's to me it's one of the ones that would make me feel you know the most assurance if I was a fan of you know said said team because I know that we have a guy when things aren't always 100% or he needs some help that he can kind of be his own help. And that's a, that's a really, really big deal. Yeah. Um, this was not a game where it felt like the Bills had a ton of help from there. A couple of big plays and the Khalil Shakir run was incredible uh, late in the game for a touchdown, but some drops, some inconsistent play running game, not bad, but not dominant. It wasn't like it was the Cowboys game by any means. And Josh had to call his own shot. Had to, you know, he didn't have any like, like of the sort of, sort of throws where we passed around Twitter. We're like, how does anybody on earth have the ability to do this? But the run maybe in this game was the exception there. I, I, you know, I, I, I look at Stefan Diggs and I don't want to be reactionary. Don't want to be, you know, a prisoner of recency bias, but nine targets in this game, 52 yards. He gets hurt for a stretch, comes back. He hasn't had a hundred yard game since October 15th. Do you think he is meaningfully worse, whether it's from injury, age, just randomness, whatever? Do you think he's meaningfully worse than the player we expected him to be coming into the season? And do you think the Bills can win, you know, three more games in the postseason unless they get the old Stefan Diggs back for these next few games of the year? Uh, for for whatever reason, it just kind of seemed like Joe Brady hasn't been able to figure this thing out with Diggs. Because, mm-hmm. like, at the start of the season, he kind of was playing, like, uh, you know, normal Stefan in terms of just tearing mm-hmm. it up. Because uh, I'm looking at, you know, his game log now. Five of his first six games, he had over 100 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that Denver game is when this production really, really started to slow down for him. But at the same time, like, he and Josh are good enough where they should be able to figure that out on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I'm, I'm, I've been a little bit confused as to why he hasn't been able to get a, get on the same page totally with Stefan or if, you know, or, or if it's part of just the offensive structure. Uh, but when I, I see Stefan play and I've seen him play well this year, I just don't really understand why it's fallen off as hard as it has. And really it kind of seems like, you know, the, the Bills passing game 
as a whole has become a little bit less explosive over the back half of the season. But, mm -hmm. you know, Josh is so steadfast. You've gotten some good performances from James Cook every now and then that you've been able to kind of get past that. And then it hasn't really mattered as much. But um, I, I would just say, like, even against this version of the Chiefs that doesn't really seem to strike the fear of God and people as far as their mm -hmm. offense goes, it would still behoove you to figure out how to get some explosive plays going. You know, like especially when you when you you have Stefan Diggs, like he's right there. And mm -hmm. they they've had such a great rapport over the past few years, and they even had it earlier this season. Um, I, I, I almost wonder if it's kind of a Joe Brady issue where uh he just hasn't figured out like what alignments work for him and Stefan mm -hmm. and Josh in terms of like what's comfortable for all three of them. But I know if you're going to like if you're going to actualize this Super Bowl dream that you have and the Super Bowl potential that you have, which is every year, as long as Josh Allen's your quarterback, you're going to need to get more out of Stefan Diggs at some point. It, it would just make life a lot easier for you. Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I I don't think that it's like gone or that he's washed up or anything. They they just haven't been able to get that thing rolling for a few weeks now. And uh, now would be a good time. Now would be a really good time. Like, yeah, you you can probably get away with fifty two yards and seven catches. You're kind of dicking and dunking against um, against a team like the Steelers that mm -hmm. way overachieved this year. But now you're about to walk into like either uh, a game against the Chiefs or potentially the Ravens or even like the Texas defense hasn't you know has kind of stepped up too recently. So Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen, time time to figure it out. Time to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I. You mentioned this was not really much of a game, and I think in the big picture you're correct. But Bills get out to a 21 nothing lead. They're about to kick a field goal to go up 24 nothing. It gets blocked. Steelers score a touchdown. They keep scoring. Eventually, it becomes a one-score game before the Bills turn the offense back on, get a touchdown to sort of wrap things up. Does it concern you that the Bills had such a big lead, sort of were playing with their food, um, let the Steelers get back into it, and then they weren't close to losing because they never. I don't think they even had the Steelers had the ball with a, a chance to tie at any point during the game. But just that they were able to sort of get back in the game, and the Bills sort of didn't do much for a couple of you know for a, a little over a quarter before finally getting back on track. Do you do you find that concerning at all as the Bills approach and play tougher competition from here on out? Yeah, it's, it's definitely it's definitely concerning because I don't I've never viewed I know they have ten wins in Tom and Magic, but I've never really viewed this Steelers team as good or particularly threatening. You know, they have sure. some pieces. Yeah, they have some pieces that like at skill that I think helped them a bit. Uh, like I thought George Pickens had some nice catches uh, in this game that kind of bailed Mason Rudolph out some bad throws. Uh, but it, it it is it is a little bit concerning when you're talking about like, okay, you were up, you were kind of doing the thing that we we expect you to do. You know, you're up twenty one to seven at halftime, and then you, you kind of hit this lull where, okay, we're going back and forth. We're not really sustaining a whole lot of drives. Steelers scored another touchdown to pull in the twenty four to seventeen, and then they're back. And I I, I don't really know how they're going to be able to figure out how to to not let those those you know just drives past we're not doing anything because I, it, it's okay when you're going against mason rudolph you can probably sacrifice some drives because you know i mean he, he was qb3 in a really bad quarterback room uh this season that's not really super threatening but now here comes mahomes uh that 
is probably something where they don't want to find themselves just sitting around, even with the 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 lulls that the Chiefs offense have had uh mm-hmm. this season. I think I, I just think this Bills team is so fascinating because they they they've been so banged up, right? And they keep figuring out ways to kind of get back towards playing good football. You have the streak at the end of the season. And now, you know, you're over the last like six quarters, I would say, I think since even last week against Miami, like they've lost a handful of defenders. Uh, Teron Johnson gets hurt today. That's a pretty big uh, blow for them. We'll see what happens with him moving forward. But the, the adversity that they've been able to kind of power through to me has been a good story, even if it's not like, you know, analytical or something like that. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see if they can kind of keep that thing moving for the Chiefs game because, uh, like I said before, there's, there, there, there's, there's a big difference between Mason Rudolph and Pat Mahomes, and uh, <laughs> I, I think going like a whole quarter with just like a field goal against the Chiefs might be a little bit difficult because they're they're really not in the same class of football team as the Steelers, who to me mm-hmm. are a t- team that should be closer to picking to like top five or something. <laughs> yeah, top I mean 10. injuries. Thank you. That's thoughtful of you. Injuries on the defensive side of the ball for the Bills for sure. Christian Benford left the game, did not return. Tyrell Dodson got hurt. Those guys are both playing at positions where the Chiefs, or the, the Chiefs, the Bills already had uh, a rash of injuries. So there's going to be spots for the Chiefs to exploit. They just have to actually pull it off. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You mentioned Mason Rudolph. A couple of questions from the Steelers here as we wrap up. I did a poll of my Twitter followers who sometimes are smart, sometimes are not. I think this might have been one where they were smart. Uh, Mason Rudolph won the final three games of the year, thought he was okay in this game, did throw an interception to Keir Elam in the end zone. But like, wasn't as if I watched that game and were like, I was like, oh my God. The Steelers would have won if it wasn't for Mason Rudolph. Right, right. There's definitely games in the past where I felt that about Mason <laughs> Rudolph. So all of their quarterbacks at some point. <laughs> all the quarterbacks, exactly. Kenny Pickett is still on the roster. I mean, in the preseason, I was getting like hate mail from Steelers fans because I didn't think they were going to be good. And they were like, Did you see Kenny Pickett in the preseason, bro? Did you see the Falcons game where the Falcons had all their first <laughs> and second stringers sitting and the Steelers still had their starters going? That was crazy. <laughs> Um, Kenny Pickett did not have a great year. Uh, the Mac Jones Memorial Award for Kenny Pickett this season, I feel like. Um, not even going to mention Mitch. I don't think Mitch is in play here, but I took a poll of my Twitter followers and I said, hey, who will be the week one starter for the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2024? And I listed Kenny Pickett, who got 20.1% of the vote. Mason Rudolph, who got 5.7% of the vote. Justin Fields, presumably a trade candidate who got 23.1% of the vote. So yes, Justin Fields, who has not been traded, won more of the vote than Kenny Pickett. And then overwhelmingly winning with 51.1%, Charles, was somebody else. So from your perspective, if somebody else is starting for the Steelers in 2024, 
who is that somebody else? And do you think it would be a good idea to move off from Kenny Pickett and start that somebody else next year? Hell yeah. Yeah, that's the easy answer. Like, yeah, uh, you should definitely move on from Kenny Pickett. And look, I I I the, the way that I view this Kenny Pickett thing from the jump is he was way overdrafted uh in terms mm-hmm. of in terms of like just the profile that you have, you know, you it took him five years to really have a season at Pittsburgh. His first four years didn't really do all that much. Gets to this fifth year, figures it out. Um, and then you get to the NFL. I don't really know like what you're hanging your hat on. Like, okay, if we can just develop this part of his game, then we might have someone who can kind of lead us to the playoffs. I don't, he's just not really dynamic enough. So I think you got to move on from basically all the quarterbacks you have on your roster. Maybe, you, you, <laughs> maybe you can bring back like Mason Rudolph as a backup. I think he's earned that sure. Uh, sure. At, at least. I don't really know how you're going to move on from the Kenny Pickett thing because uh, they still owe him a decent amount of money because years, he wasn't, yeah. yeah, he was a first round pick, but here's a problem for like the Steelers. I think first of all, before you start getting to the quarterback is you got to start shedding some cap, like some guys at the top of your roster. Um, like I would imagine if Cam Hayward doesn't retire, like he's someone who could be, uh, on the chopping block, Deontay Johnson mm-hmm. has a contract that's pretty easily move on from uh easy to move on from. So does Allen Robinson too. Like they can move the 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 money around for it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I think that like if Kirk Cousins for real deal hits free agency, and I think that that decision gets a little bit tougher for the Vikings because they ended up having just kind of like a middle of the road season where you're mm-hmm. not unless you just completely just blow your load and blow all your picks. You're not going to be able to get up there and get a quarterback at the top of the draft. So I think that that makes it a little bit more likely that Kirk comes back. Um, but you you got to get someone, you know, I, I would make a run at Kirk. I would maybe make a run at Russell Wilson just because it's better than what you had, even though that that's not too exciting. It, I think that the Steelers, like they kind of find themselves in a spot where a lot of teams are this offseason like you, you need a quarterback and where are you going to go get it? Because you have a lot of competition uh, this offseason to kind of try and make that make that happen. The Steelers are going to be in the market for a quarterback. The Vikings are you know going to be at least mm-hmm. in the Kirk Cousins game. The Falcons are out there. The, mm-hmm. the Broncos might be out there, depending on how this Russell Wilson thing sticks out. And they don't they're going to be out there. Yeah, just totally, totally because the Broncos like. If you trade Russell Wilson now, like you're kind of fully admitting defeat for like maybe two years on on what you can do, or maybe just maybe just a year. But still, there's a lot there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of you know competition out there for quarterbacks. I would go after Kirk because I think he's got the highest floor if he's healthy. We'll see what that Achilles injury is looking like for him next year. But it's not a terrible situation to walk into like if you're a veteran quarterback. I mean, Fryermuth, Deontay Johnson, if he's still around next season. Uh, George Pickens, Jalen Warren. I mean, that's 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 not the worst skill group out there. So I think you can kind of make something shake uh, if you can get a veteran in there. But the 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 main thing is they have to do a lot better than they are right now. I would be a little bit scared to go after Justin Fields because I I think that'd be going for a, a higher floor starter if they can if they can make that happen. Do you know who came up most commonly in my mentions, including from? Uh, our former debatable colleague and my current colleague, Kevin Clark. Mm. Mac Jones? They want Russ. They want Russ in Pittsburgh. How do you feel about that fit? Russ? Okay, well, first of all, let me start with this. I think that his benching was totally justified. Even Mm -hmm. just like, okay, obviously what they did with the contract stuff and asking him to adjust it or bench him, 
was pretty messed up and yep. it obviously ended up being like an empty threat because they didn't bench him at the time when <laughs> all this was going on. And until they won the winning streak. Right. They won the winning streak and they almost made the playoffs and you know they they put Stidham in. Uh, but at the same time, I think when you started watching his games and as the season went on, he just was not a quarterback that was making a whole lot of plays um, mm-hmm. and being kind of like a driving force for whatever the Broncos were able to do it, it he he was conservative in a way that conservative in a way that I really didn't even know was possible for him I don't know whether if that was you know kind of game script of what Sean Payton was calling or if he's kind of becoming a diminished passer and some of those traits are falling off but he's better than what you had this year for sure I would I think that that's that's also true it just depends on like what kind of contract you can get him in on if you can convince Russ like hey you're not this guy that's going to get paid top five, top 10 money anymore. You can come in and uh, play on a team that already has some pieces around you. And we're trying to go make a run for the AFC North against uh, some other pretty good teams. I think that that can be an enticing option for him. Uh, But at the same time, you know, if you do go get Russ, you should probably still draft a quarterback just to, to keep yourself safe in that area, because he is someone who's on the decline. I mean, he's, he's, he's in his late thirties. It's not like, this is unprecedented or anything. You just kind of have to protect yourself in the back end. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of ways they could go. I, I think your argument for Kirk makes the most sense. This is believe the second oldest defense in football behind the saints. One of the youngest yeah. offenses though in football. So maybe you think the offense around the quarterback takes a step forward. Maybe you get a veteran in there and that could be a way for them to win 10 games without having to resort to Tomlin magic, especially because Charles, we don't know if Mike Tomlin's going to be coaching this football team next year. Um, our friend Brooke Pryor in the post-game press conference asked Mike Tomlin or started to ask Mike Tomlin a question that began with, you have one year left on your deal. And Mike Tomlin walked out of the press conference. There's been some smoke around the idea that he's now his contract is expiring um i i guess my my two-part question for you is do you believe he's actually going to go and if he does do you buy that anyone else can do what he did in terms of getting this football team to win games uh no i don't think he's going anywhere and that's really just because the Steelers, they're they're kind of run like a mom and pop shop to a degree, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you're right. I, I mean, how how many coaches have they had since the merger? He's like number three, I I think mm-hmm. I want to say. Um, and to me, I, Tomlin is frustrating to talk about, or not frustrating, but like you can you I can see really any side that someone might feel about him personally, just off of someone who has watched a lot of losing football teams, uh, a lot of teams that have underachieved. I find his uh, his ability to kind of get the most out of whatever he has to be pretty pretty spectacular. Um, even if, you know, you're playing in all these one-score games and you're playing in games that don't really seem sustainable and you, you get to the good teams, most of the time you're usually kind of getting, you know, taken to the shed. Um it, it would just be really difficult for me to walk away from someone who gives you like the floor of a playoff team uh, almost every year. And I think, I, I think you just have to respect no losing seasons since 2007. I mean, he was a 35 year old man when he took that job, he's 51 now. Um, it It's that part to me is just unbelievable. But at the same time, like I understand fans who are like, man, like we're just kind of, 
waiting around in mediocrity, right? Like we haven't been a true threat to win the AFC in quite some time now. You know, we're getting to the playoffs and we're 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 ruttering around, we're treading water, but we're not actually doing things that threaten the rest of the conference. That that has to be a little bit frustrating for for Steelers fans. I understand fans who want to move on, but man, like I I would just be more concerned with getting Mike the tools that he needs to actually get this team get this thing back to where 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 they should be. I mean, it hasn't been it, it it just hasn't been quite enough on the field. And I think the fact that they're still winning nine, 10 games, they even won 10, 12 games in 2020. It, it shows you that he still has got this in, he still got this under control in a way that should make him one of the more coveted coaches in the league. And, and like you said today, like they did have a chance to kind of get back in that. If they were able to get a stop on that drive after they scored a touchdown, uh, they were just kind of hanging around just enough to make that game interesting in the second half. And, uh, that's a team that is not as good as the Buffalo Bills. So it, it it would be really hard to let for me to let go of someone who is consistently allowing you to play up to whatever standards you have on your roster. But at the same time, I, I get fans who are who are frustrated because the going nine eight every year is, is is kind of boring. I mean, it could be better than going. I think four and thirteen, which is I think what this team's record would be if Mike Tomlin was not their head coach. The only person that I think could do something similar is like Vrabel. Rabel's the one who came to mind for me just because he's a former Steelers player and stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think if you lose Tomlin, I almost I wonder if that's your your signal just to, hey, we we are going to start over. Our cap has not been in great shape for years or, you know, like I know Steelers fans are going to be like, oh, we could do this and this. Like they they have a lot of guys who are not on contracts that are uh, good values for that roster. Um, your core of players, like your key players on defense are older. J or TJ Watt is on the wrong side of 30, I believe, or getting there. Um, Minka is still in his prime, but Cam Hayward is 34, I want to say. I don't have his exact age in front of me, but second oldest defense in football. Yeah, and like that's normal. I mean, you, right, know, like, you can't be mad at about that. There's still obviously some very exciting young pieces with, you know, Joey Porter, Keanu Benton, Alex Highsmith. Like you don't have to, you know, tank, but I wonder if you say, okay, we need to be realistic, take a year, you know, do have, have our Rams season where we take a step backwards, clear out the cap. Maybe we get lucky and make it to the postseason the way the Rams did, but like, just be realistic about, you know, we're not winning a Super Bowl with this core. We haven't been close in several years. So let's try and build a, you know, a stronger core and not be trading away draft picks to move up. Let's not be going crazy in free agency because like they've gotten in the way in a lot of ways from what they used to be. Like they're not a draft and develop team anymore. They're a team no. that goes and, and signs a lot of guys in free agency. That was something the Steelers never did earlier in my career so I, I think like they're they're really good in terms of the organization in building a team that is going to win nine games and i don't think they're making moves that give them a great chance of winning 12 games yeah i mean even the 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 picket pick by itself was like man like what what are you guys doing like you just you you just kind of saddled yourself with the guy who was next door i don't know that that one was always a little bit strange to me um, and they, they just, they just can't get complacent because this is a, this is a pretty big off season for them. You know, I think, I think for a lot of teams, this is a pivotal off season, but the Steelers fall into that category too, because, uh, like the Bengals, like they get Joe Burrow back next year. Uh, the Browns, they clearly have a strong base to work with. We'll see if Deshaun Watson can play better than Joe Flacco next season. Um, and, and 
you know, make that trade not look like the worst trade of all time. And then obviously the Ravens, it's like the, the Ravens are not going anywhere anytime soon. Probably even if mm -hmm. they do lose Mike McDaniel, Mike McDonald, excuse me, to a mm -hmm. who head coaching job this offseason. So this is if you're if you're not going to blow it up, like you kind of have to take a big swing at quarterback this year. Um, and I, I don't think that there will be a team that trades up in the draft. I think trading up this year would be damn near an impossible task because so many teams at the top need uh, mm -hmm. needs to find a franchise signal caller. But if you can get in the veteran trade market or sign a Kirk Cousins or maybe look after a Justin Fields, there's ways that you can upgrade this in a way where you don't have to rely on, you know, the three stooges to be your quarterbacks next year. <laughs> okay, Charles, I know you've been sort of waiting to see what happens post wildcard round. Feels like the coaching situation, there could be more teams making coaching moves in the Ugh. days to come yeah. but we're all sort of waiting for stuff to happen when stuff does happen where can people check out your coverage of everything that's happening in the nfl uh well whenever the falcons hire bill belichick you can find me on twitter at four verts just trying to parse through my feelings of betrayal um <laughs> And you can check out all the work that we do on uh, at Yahoo Sports on the Zero Blitz, Zero, excuse me, on the Zero Blitz podcast feed and yahoosports.com. I do work with uh, Charles Robinson, Jory Epstein, Nate Tice. I think we do a, a pretty good job together. So check us out. Tremendous. Charles, you know, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. All right. Thanks so much to my friend Charles McDonald from Yahoo. Didn't get to talk about his beloved... Um, Atlanta Falcons and what they should do at head coach. They didn't get to uh, do a postmortem for the Arthur Smith era. But hope you guys enjoyed our breakdown of two interesting playoff games. I don't know if they were close or good games, but things happen and we may get some bigger news from them. So hope you guys enjoyed Wild Card Weekend. More football stuff coming on later this week. I'll be writing another column for ESPN. Um, we have another episode of the Bill Barnwell Show podcast coming later this week. I believe I'm on Around the Horn. I'm on Around the Horn today during the Bills game. And maybe you were watching the football, I understand. But back on on Friday this week, probably previewing the divisional round. So I hope you guys get to check that out. And more audio coming later this week.